So, who just switched off? We've kind of we've done the worship bit now, and uh, somebody's got up to talk. So, time to switch off. Some of you maybe can feel about that. Some of you maybe didn't switch off, but you actually switched on. Uh, you switched on your mobile, but that's fine because you've got your Bible on there. But. <laughs> And the top, you notice there was three Facebook messages. Two people have retweeted you. And it'd be rude to read them, wouldn't it? But you just kind of sneakily see the headline and uh, just see what's going on. And uh, I want to talk this morning um, about word and spirit. And uh, I want to ask, well, why is it that uh, we might switch off at when somebody gets up to talk? Well... I think there's two reasons. The first one is it's boring, and it's got nothing to do with what God's saying. And you know, if that's true, I want you to play Pappy Jump through everything I say this morning. You know, you do, you do something else, because that's fine. The alternative is that actually Satan doesn't want you to listen, and he doesn't want you to engage, because actually the plaster cornice up there is really quite intricate, isn't it? <laughs> And suddenly you find yourself counting how many little gaps there are between the the bits of... We all know this. We've been there. And and I believe, you know, the devil wants us to disengage from from the Word. And and I want to talk about Word and Spirit this morning. And I think these two things are really important. And I want to talk about the Word. Now, the Word we'd often think of as the Bible, but I think the ultimate Word is Jesus. And uh, Jesus came as the Word. It says uh, in um, John 1, doesn't it? The Word was with God and the Word was God. And He came. He came to be with us. And uh, Jesus came as the ultimate messenger of God. And He came to give us the Word. Some people hear God's voice. And I can't say that that's something that happens to me very often. But some people audibly hear the voice of God, and that's still the Word of God. We hear people speaking, and they speak the words of God to us. So that might be in prophecy, it may be in preaching, it may be in words of knowledge or encouragement. And then, of course, we've got the Bible. We know, you know, if you said the Word of God, the first thing you'd think of is actually probably the Bible. And uh, that's got the very words of God. And he speaks to us through his word. But he speaks to us through all these different types of word. And, and I wonder, well, why do we preach? Um, it's now half my lifetime ago that I was at Bible college. And uh, they said, within 10 years, we won't be preaching. This is what we were told at Bible college. Preaching is outdated It doesn't fit with where people are today. You need to give little sound bites. You need visual stuff to stimulate people. They can't concentrate to listen for a few minutes. And therefore, preaching will be dead within 10 years. That was 20 years ago I was told that. And I don't believe it's true. I believe, actually, that preaching brings together word and spirit. And uh, we're part of New Frontiers. And... uh, In New Frontiers, they they were kind of one of the first churches that actually brought together word and spirit. 
And I think when we think about word and spirit, often we think about these two different things and we think about them being held in tension. And I want to say that's rubbish. I'm a man of the word. I believe in the word of God and I want to receive more of the word of God. But I'm also a man of the spirit and I want to see God doing stuff. I want to see miracles. I want to hear what God's saying very clearly. I want to see him doing things through other people. I want to see him changing our society through the amazing things he does and his Holy Spirit. But I want to say we have spirit over here and we have word over here and we're missing a trick because we switch off. We say, well, that was really exciting to see what God was doing. And now actually we switch off for the word because it's quite dry. It's actually a bit more difficult to access. And I want to say, you need to put the two together. And uh, we've been looking the last couple of weeks at Acts 2. And I want to carry on looking at Acts 2 this morning. Now, last time I preached, I said, I, I want to imag- you to imagine someone. And uh, I said, let's call him Peter. And this morning, I want you to imagine that I am Peter. Okay. Some of you that's difficult and some of you it's not. You can't imagine what it was like. I was with Jesus. I walked with him three years. Three years we walked and I saw the amazing things that he did. And he told us that it was all going to finish. He told us that he was going to die. You know we didn't believe him. We didn't believe him for a minute. We thought he was going to liberate us. And then... He was arrested. And you know, he told me that I'd deny him. And I said, no, I won't. And I did. I denied him three times and the cock crowed. And I thought it was all over. I thought it was the end. You can't imagine what it was like. And then he wasn't in the grave anymore. They'd crucified him and they put him in the grave And then he wasn't there. He was there with us in the room. You can't believe what it was like. And he said, I'm going to go up to heaven. And I want you to stay in Jerusalem. And I want you to stay and the Holy Spirit will come and he'll be with you. And you know, we didn't know what to think. We didn't know what the Holy Spirit coming and being amongst us was going to be like. We knew what Jesus was like, but we didn't know. And we were there. We were there in the room. And the Holy Spirit came. It was like a wind. It blew through the room. And we were changed. We'd been with Jesus, but that night we were changed. The Holy Spirit came and we encountered someone that we hadn't encountered in that way before. And we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we had such power that we hadn't actually experienced before. Not in that way. And we went out on the street and it was just amazing. We started to talk and well, we were just speaking all these different languages. There was people from Italy and, and Africa and they were Turkey and Greece. And they were all there. They were all there for the festival. And suddenly we were all talking their language. They could understand what we were saying. And they thought we were drunk, but we didn't even speak their language. It was just incredible. 
And I'd been really broken because I denied Jesus. And you know what? Suddenly I had this boldness, a boldness that I'd not had before. And I stood in front of the crowd and I spoke. And I said, we're not drunk. Jesus died. And he told you that he would. The Old Testament explains this. And I explained from the word what had happened. And suddenly the people understood. Well, you just wouldn't believe it. There was like 3,000 people in this crowd. And they all became Christians. They all said, we want to follow this Jesus like you've been following him for this last three years. Something's happening. And you know, it didn't stop there. We, we baptized them just like we'd been baptized. And then the Holy Spirit was there. He was on the 3,000. And they were all speaking in the other languages as well. And suddenly they were praying for people and they were being healed just like we'd done with Jesus. It was incredible. You just, you wouldn't believe it if you hadn't been there. And suddenly, everything changed. And day after day, we were seeing more people being, being saved. They were turning to Jesus. And we, we went off. And, you know, every day, we had to walk the six miles to the River Jordan to get some water so we could baptize more people. My legs ate so much because we baptized so many. You just wouldn't believe it if you weren't there. That's the story we're told in Acts 2. And it's, it's kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? We can't imagine what that was like. And, you know, they experienced, they experienced the thing of God in the Holy Spirit. And they didn't know what to do with it. They were really confused. And Peter stood up and he explained to them what was happening. And you know, they saw it. And that's when word and spirit come together. And I want to say when we preach, it's not, it's not just the boring bit where we switch off. But actually, that's where word and spirit come together. And actually, if we're not experiencing the spirit of God, the word becomes empty and dry. If we're only experiencing the things of God... We're experiencing the amazing things that the Holy Spirit does, but we don't ground ourselves down in the Word. We just go off on funny tangents. And we need to have both together, not in tension, but fully, richly together. When I'm um, hosting a meeting, you'll, you'll know that I often say at the beginning, you know, we're expecting God to speak to us this morning. And so... If you've got a word from God, then you come to the front, you share it, we'll share it with everyone. And um, some mornings I, I just think, I'm not going to say that because I say that every time and people will get really bored. And you know, when I'm not explicit about that, not as many people come. And actually, I think we, we then miss out because we don't, we don't get what God is saying to people. And I don't want to ever be in that place where we just kind of go through the motions in a morning. I want to see the full richness of what God's got for us. And I wonder, 
what your level of expectation is when you come on a Sunday morning. Do you expect God to speak? Do you come armed with your Bible and your notepad and pen? Or do you come with your phone ready to be able to take some notes? I was at a meeting recently and we, we were about to pray for someone and he went, oh, just a minute. And he pulls out his mobile phone and puts it on record. And he gives it to someone and says, just hold that up. Because he wanted to hear what God was going to say as people were going to pray for him. There was that level of expectation that God was going to say something so significant that this needed recording. And I actually felt like, whoa, I really underplay this playing, praying for people thing, you know? Is my level of expectation so low in even praying for someone that I didn't even think this needed recording? And I was kind of humbled by the fact that they had the faith and the expectation of what God was going to say. And I want to ask you the question, not because I think we need to be accused, but actually I want to encourage you, where's our level of faith when we come on a Sunday morning? Do we expect to go away with something that's going to change who we are in the coming week, in the coming months? I think Acts 2 is... It's like the ultimate sermon, isn't it? I don't think there's probably many people um, who have lived, who have preached and seen 3,000 people saved. I mean, maybe Billy Graham or Louis Palau, but there's not many people in history who that's happened to. And it's actually, when you read it, you think, oh, it's a bit dry, actually. It doesn't seem very exciting. He explains these pretty dry passages from the Old Testament and just says, well, this, this is what's happened. Do you not see it? He doesn't go on at any great length. You probably hope I don't either. And, uh, and actually, people suddenly see it. And that's because it wasn't about his words. It was about the Holy Spirit talking through him. And he was saying the word in the moment, God's word for that moment. And I pray that every time I stand here, I'm saying what it is that I believe God is wanting to say to us because he wants to guide us as his people. So I want to read the the end of Acts 2, starting at verse 37. And it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, For the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you, for your children, and for all those who are far off. Everybody who the Lord Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. And they were added to that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to prayer. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all those who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing it to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. 
they said a couple of chapters on, if you go into Acts 4, they said, we just can't help ourselves from talking about this. You wouldn't believe it if you hadn't seen it. And they're telling everyone what's happening. And actually, as they were telling their story, they were preaching into lives of other people. Because the preaching is where that word and spirit come together. And as they shared with their friends, as they had dinner with them, they were preaching. And they were seeing people changed. We've already had Paul in the Areopagus read this morning. Paul's just there. And he sees something in the city. And he says, do you know what that means? And he just takes that opportunity of speaking to those people who didn't even have a clue who God really was. In Acts 8, there's Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And and this Ethiopian is there. And he says, how will I understand if nobody teaches me this stuff? How do I know what this stuff means? And Philip sits down and he just explains it. And he's there because of the Spirit of God. And actually, the guy understands. He says, baptize me now. There's no point waiting. Let's get out there. Let's go do this stuff. Because actually, he's met with the Spirit of God. And when that teaching and Spirit comes together, that is the ultimate kind of preaching. In Acts 2, it says they devoted themselves to the teaching. And I wonder, do we devote ourselves to the word? In Psalms, it says, I delight in the word of God. I don't know how many times I've read those words in Psalms and thought, yeah. I don't feel this. I'm not excited by this. And I'm reading, I delight in the law of the Lord. And I'm sure all of you feel the same. Some mornings you sit there and you think, I'll just do this really quick. And the difference is there's the word. The word is no less valuable. It's still the word of God to us. But we're not approaching it with the spirit of God. And when we don't, it's dry. So we trudge trudge through the reading Steve Chong an Australian guy he said fill your mind with the word and give the Holy Spirit something to work with and actually we you know we instead we we trudge John Piper says Daniel postured by ransacking the scriptures for God's hidden treasures ransack the scriptures I just love that And I want to get into ransacking the scriptures more and finding what is God's word for me that's in there. What am I missing? Because I think he wants to tell me. Julian Adams said this. I've said this before. Developing a passion for God cannot be taught or preached. It's an experience with Jesus There's no easy five-step plan to get closer to Jesus that automatically results in us feeling his presence. If you want to get to know him better, you've got to spend time with him. You cannot get passionate about someone you don't know. 
take time to listen, be spontaneous about spending time with him. Yeah, it's good to have good, regular devotional time with Jesus, but do not allow that to be the whole sum of the time you spend with him during your day. This comes from a guy who spends hours on his knees before Jesus, asking him, what is it you want to say? And I want to be more like that. Now, I'm not a natural speaker. I don't stand in front of people easily. This stuff makes me nervous. At school, I was always the narrator in the play. You know the kind of kid who gets chosen to be the narrator? It's kind of the spotty one. It can read out loud quite well, but actually has no way of delivering it with any kind of way that people understand or can get excited about. That's who they choose to be the narrator. And I was always the narrator. And uh, later, as I went on through school, I did the lighting. You know, you're hidden in the dark bit in the corner and push the knobs up and down to make the lights go up and down at the right space. You can be relied upon for pushing the knob at the right time, but you couldn't be relied on to be in the middle of the stage and excite people. And that's the kind of person I am. And I only stand here because God did something in me through his spirit. And I want to encourage you, when you think, I can't speak to people, I can't naturally speak to you guys. I can't naturally be up here. Naturally, this makes me nervous. Yesterday, I was at a conference, and um, I potentially had something to say, and I didn't know whether I was going to get called, and there's like 20 of us stood next to the stage, potentially going to get called to say something, and I had a one-minute thing to say. (gasps) Oh my word, I was so anxious, and I didn't get chosen, so it was fine. I didn't have to share it. And, but I stood there so nervously, because actually it was all about what I wanted to say. But I can stand in front of you and speak, because God's Spirit does something, and the Word and Spirit come together. Neil last week said from Martin Lloyd-Jones, The world was turned upside down. Not because of what they did, because of what God did to them, in them, and through them. And then he went on to say, God's mission has not changed. He came to seek and save the lost, and that's his heart now. And um, that's his heart for us, that we should be out there seeking the lost and seeing what God wants to say to them. And that's in everything that we're doing. So I want to encourage you that preaching isn't for being up here on a Sunday morning. Preaching is for what God's going to say through your mouth to the people you meet who I will never talk to. Romans 10 says, How then will they call on him who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And I think as we start off in this kind of um, um, series through Acts, we want to encourage you that as a church, we're being sent. We're being sent out there into the world. Church is not the sum total of what we do in here on a Sunday morning, but it's actually what we're doing out there how we're seeing God change our world. And we're going through Acts because we want to see, well, what was Jesus saying? What was the Holy Spirit saying to the early church? 
And what can we learn from that? Where have we gone off on our own tangent and kind of we're missing the point? And we want to bring our focus back and say, what were they doing then and what should we be doing now? Timothy Keller, in his, it's a great book, Encounters with Jesus. If you want to read a really good book to encourage you to talk about your faith, Encounters with Jesus is a great book. He says, So as we fight Satan's lies in our heart and his works in our world, let's rely not just on the word of the Lord, but on the Lord of the word. We don't simply have a book as perfect as it is, and I'm not denying the perfection of the Word of God. We have Jesus himself, who has been through fiery trials so intense that we can't imagine them. And he has done it all for us. Now strengthened with his deep empathy and tender power, we can come through it all at his side. We're changed when we experience the Spirit of God. And we come through the stuff of life and actually, we can preach that into the lives of others. Now, as I've already alluded to, Satan says preaching is boring and it's pointless and no one listens. That's what he tells us. Satan tells us that actually, if we speak, 3,000 people won't be saved. I don't think that there's many people in this room who'd say, yep. I have that faith that when I speak, 3,000 people can be saved. Because actually, Satan tells us, you didn't spend time with Jesus, and you're not in Jerusalem. It ain't going to happen. And that's what he tells you. But it's the same spirit, and it's the same word as Peter had. Satan will tell you, God will not give you any gifts. Look at what you're like. I know what you're like on the inside. Therefore, God's not going to do any of these things through you. That's what Satan constantly tells us. You're not telling me that the 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost turned up and were living holy lives for God, understanding his word, and really going for it. No, they weren't. They laughed at the apostles because they were drunk. They didn't get it at all. And then they heard the word, and they were changed. So I want to tell you this morning, Satan tells you those things, but I want to say to you, Jesus says you can. Jesus says you will. Actually, this thing's for you, not for someone else. I've been doing a little series um, of readings in the morning, which comes from um, Oswald Chambers' book, uh, My Utmost for His Highest. Few people in the room may have heard of that. It's a really old book. And uh, so I've been reading that in the mornings over the last month or so. And um, it's really challenging that we need to change the way we think. We need to change the way we act so that we get together with spirit and see God do things, and that we need to change our thinking to do that. And he finished up in one of the bits that I read saying this, allow God to have complete liberty in your life. Now that's quite daring. If you want to say, God, 
I want to give you complete freedom to do whatever you want with me. That's actually quite daring. Allow God to have complete liberty in your life when you speak. Before God's message can liberate other people, his liberation must first be real in you. Yes, gather your material carefully, but allow God to set your words on fire for his glory. And I want that. I want when I have the opportunity to speak to people, when I have the opportunity of being with people, that the fire of God would come through the words I say and also through the words I don't say. So what? I want to say to you this morning, preaching is not irrelevant and preaching is for you. The word and spirit come together and actually we can speak into people's lives. We can have great privilege But we need to be filled with the Spirit and we come and we worship together and it's great to experience what God's doing. I love it when I hear people coming and telling stories, coming and sharing words which encourage me that actually it's not just me and actually that God's doing something, that God's on the move. So I want to encourage you to engage in those things of God. If we want to be powerful and effective as a church, seeing God do things in our nation, then actually we need to engage with the Spirit, we need to engage with the Word, and we need to bring all of that together. I want to finish up with a little poem. Some people will get excited by words, and some people will get excited by poetry, and some by music, and we all get stimulated in different ways. And, um, and I want us to then come back and worship. And I think there's going to be things that people want to share. And, uh, and we're going to hear from God and we're going to be able to worship and pray. And let's see what God will do. Because I'm actually really excited that what happened in Acts 2 is what should be happening here week by week by week. That we see people transformed by the radical grace and love of God. Not only in the words you say, not only in your deeds confessed, but in the most unconscious way is Christ expressed. Is it a beatific smile, a holy light upon your brow? Oh no, I felt his presence when you laughed just now. To me, it was not the truth you taught, to you so clear, but me so dim. But when you came, you brought a sense of him. And from your eyes he beckons me, and from your heart his love is shed, till I lose sight of you and see Christ instead. I just want to say that. Just get stirred by hearing those things, because even while I've been going through Acts and been rereading it, you read the stories, and I can't, I'm thinking, God, I'd love to be able to write that in our story. In the history of our church, I'd love to write these stories. I'd love that to be kind of written into 
kind of what we've done over the years, that, yeah, we preached that day, and look, so many got saved, and we went there, and so many got healed, and we went there, and we shared, and people were, even while we were sharing, people were getting set free. People were giving their lives to Jesus because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit that came upon them, even as we spoke. And you read that in, with Peter, don't you, that even as he's sharing about the Holy Spirit, they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Nobody's praying for them because the power in the Word is having an effect on them. And I just want to say, I, I, I don't know what your heart is. But as I read it, I'm so stirred because I think I want, that, I want to write that into our history as a church. This is what God did. You know, Acts isn't over yet. It didn't finish at chapter 28. There's more yet to be written, and it can be written into our story. The Word and the Spirit having huge effect. We've got a story yet to write as a church, and I want to encourage us to be thinking about it. I'm praying about it, saying, what, what's our story going to look like for the future? What are we going to write about what God did, how he did it when we spoke, when we got up and we stepped out? just want to share um, something that uh, we, we spoke about this morning in the prayer meeting, um, which fits with... Uh, what Peter's been talking about I'm just reading in Exodus at the moment and um, Moses argues with God God says to him go and speak to Pharaoh and he has this huge argument with God and uh, I was, as I was reading it I was thinking my goodness I don't argue with God like that but Moses he really argued with God and uh, God got quite angry with him in the end And I thought, wow, I need to learn something from this. But what he was arguing about was the way he spoke. And and he said to God, I can't do what you're asking me to do. And God said to him, yes, you can. Because it's not you that's doing it. It's me through you. And there is a massive lesson for us to learn in that. And this is what he says. Moses said to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither recently or in times past, even since thou hast spoken to me, for I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And he was. That's what he was. Maybe that's what we are. But God says this, And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes him dumb or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now then go, and I, even I, will be with your mouth and teach you what you are to say. And he still argues with God after that. He says, send someone else. And God says, no. Understand this. When you speak, I will be with you. And that's a massive lesson for us to learn because we can say all kinds of things. I can't do this. I can't do that. I can't say this. I don't know what to say to visitors. I can't possibly speak from the front. I I can't do loads of things. I can't go to the front with a word you've given me, Lord, because I'm scared. And the Lord would say this. I will put the words in your mouth. That's how he does it. It's his Holy Spirit that comes and gives us the words to say. And as you go on and you read the story in Exodus, Moses is so powerful before Pharaoh, it is frightening. It's wonderful. 
And this is a man who says, I'm not eloquent of speech. I can't say anything. I stutter. I'm all over the place. And God uses him in the most amazing way. And some of us are saying, I can't do this. And God says, no, you can't. But you can with my spirit. Let's come. Let's worship.